Hello and welcome to episode 187 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Good man, good. Good, good. We are back again, back on demand this week. Um, it's always going to happen. Yes, after the big one last week, The Invisible Man. Um, hopefully you guys have already checked out last week's episode, which was a lot of fun talking about that movie. Oh, um, it really was. And hopefully you've seen the movie as well. It's been doing really, really well um, mm. at the cinema, which is awesome to see. Because um, obviously you never know with these sort of things. Like Doctor Sleep was obviously a weird one last year where it just didn't do that well. And it's always disappointing mm. to see. And obviously like the kind of the current climate at the minute, like not many people seem to be going out to the cinema. So it's cool that people have come out to support this movie because it definitely deserves it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was surprised by how busy, you know, our screen mm. was when we went yeah. and like we didn't go at a, a normal time and stuff. And like, it does show that people are going out there and seeing that movie. Yeah. Like in general, our <laughs> cinema has been busier in the first couple of months of this year than it was pretty much for all of last year, yeah. um, which has been a they weird not, Did they not realize how hype 2019 was for horror movies? Yeah, and like how cheap it's been for so long for our locals. <laughs> I think it's like yeah. the it's like finally people have figured out Dawned how dumb people. cheap it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we didn't have to go to the cinema this week because uh, we will be yes. talking the dead, um, which kind of came out of nowhere. This one, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure if it was on any of our upcoming lists or anything like that. No, no. Um, but yeah, there is a notable face in this one, which we'll get yeah. to. Um, Long term, sneaky, sneaky, did not, did not, uh, you know, came under the radar that one. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, we'll talk about all that good stuff shortly. Um, but first, there's a couple of news stories. Um, this first one's pretty interesting, especially for me and you. Um, kind of this news broke, uh, I think it was sometime last week, that basically The Last of Us is obviously a big deal um, oh to us and to many, many other people um, that, of course, played that game. And yeah, we'll kind of get into it because there's a lot to unpack here. But the news is that they are going to be making a HBO TV series adaptation of The Last of Us. Yeah, so there's so much to unpack here. Just very briefly, kind of a mere months after the game came out back in, what was it, 2013? Um, uh, yeah. They announced the movie <clears throat> adaptation, um, <clears throat> like, immediately. It was, uh, I think it was Screen Gems, which is part of, like, Sony Pictures, and uh, good old Sam Raimi was attached in some capacity. <laughs> um, and what isn't that guy attached to? <laughs> exactly. At some and, point. It just hasn't gotten off the ground over the last sort of five mm. years, really, where um, Neil Druckmann, who's kind of the creative director of the first game and, and then the sequel, um, was, you know, he was penning the script, the movie script, and he did finish a script as well. Um, but it just never really got off the ground. And obviously with them gearing into production on The Last of Us Part Two, which is coming out in a couple of months, um, it kind of just never really happened. And so, yeah. I guess that means that's not happening at all now because now mm. we're getting this instead of that. Um, what are your thoughts, I guess, on any adaptation of The Last of Us, but then now most notably a TV series version? Yeah, well, I think starting with the movie and leading into the TV, like I was not hyped about a movie because mm. for me, The Last of Us already is like it's that closest comparison to like a movie experience you've had in a video game, but it still kind of gives that gamification of it. Mm. And I just feel like you, there's, there's no need to adapt it because with a movie, all you're going to lose, all you're going to do is lose some of those moments because the game is what, like a 12 hour game. Um, yeah, I mean, that's so, yeah, slightly longer than I think. The first yeah. Time. So you're going to, you're going to miss some of those important beats putting it into a 90 minute movie that just isn't going to, it's just not going to give you that, those character developments, especially the way that like, if people haven't played the game, that like the two leads kind of develop and grow together. 
like I think you need that time to care about that relationship and mm. so um I wasn't that pumped about a movie adaptation and if they weren't going to do the story of the last of us then if they're going to do a sequel you know different story I want that in a game which mm. is now what we're getting but like uh, moving on to the TV I'm much more excited about a TV show because I think um you know to to actually get the time to spend with those characters again it's it's one of those where I'm like do I want it? No. Is this the right format? And have they currently said all the right things for this to be good? Yes. Mm. And I think that's where I'm currently at with it, where I'm like, you know, it's it's the the guys that made Chernobyl for HBO that are adapting yeah. this, you know, which is massive. Neil Druckmann is going to pen the script and be heavily involved, which is massive. So, like, you know, I'm now eagerly waiting to see what the casting news is. Um, and then mm. kind of, you know, we can go from there, but like so far they said all the right things. It gets me excited. Um, but, but ultimately I think, you know, with, I, I don't know whether we've had this discussion on or off air, but you know, for me, video games can be video games and movies can be movies and I don't need the two to splice, but yeah. you know, sometimes when they do, we get real good stuff. Um, you know, more often it's, you know, it, it, the, the licensed video games have got like a bad rap in recent years, but historically there were some real bangers out there. So I think it mm-hmm. was more that route as opposed to the games coming into movies. Um, but, you know, there's been some that I've dug. And so I think like I, I could see this working and I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I think these things take time, don't they, ultimately? Is mm. it like video games are such a new medium? And I mean, look at like what, you know, early novel adaptations were. And there was obviously a couple of bangers, but then a, a mm. loads of different things where people would say, oh, it wasn't good. Same with comic books where yeah. there's so many iterations where people were like, oh, my God. And, then, and now it's like such a part of film culture. You can't really mm. imagine superhero movies not existing. Um, but yeah, like like we've said before, like The Last of Us to me is p- a perfect video game. Um it is the best story ever told in a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't say that lightly. It is literally the best story ever told in a video game ever. And like, there isn't a close sit comparison to any other game. Um, you can judge every other aspect of that game, but the actual story, the narrative, the characters, mm. yeah, it's the best. Um, you compare everything else to The Last of Us. Um, and so, yeah, it is a no-brainer that obviously people are going to try and pull that out of the somewhat niche world of video games and try and adapt it into anything else that mm. can get more eyeballs onto it. Um, yeah, when this was initially said as a movie, I had zero interest in it because mm. I was like, for for the reasons you said, you know, I just don't see it, could see it working. But I think that right now, um, a HBO miniseries is the absolute best case scenario. Um, yeah watchman it you know like say this is we're just going to do 10 episodes and that's it and it's just going to tell the story of the last of us and and we're done and then ultimately what's perfect about that formula is the last of us part two comes out if you want to adapt that then you just say well guess what guys season two but Mm. if not it's one and done and you walk away from it knowing that you've made something beautiful and brilliant so um i definitely think it's the right thing and yeah i've not seen chernobyl um Mm -hmm. it's one of the only things on hbo in the last year that i haven't seen because i don't know how you haven't seen that because you've been caning through them it's one of the the very few that i have seen oh okay have you seen it have you (laughs) yeah what did you think of it um yeah well i think um it leads into uh part of what what is so good about the last of us that it is so character driven right and um intense in that way and that when you get this when you get the the uh sequences of action or tension i don't Mm. it's not it's not like conventional action but obviously when they're when they're dealing with the stuff that goes down at chernobyl like that is heightened because you have so much of this character development behind it um 
and I think um, just the the way it was shot as well. I just think like I I can already see like how those guys could make The Last of Us and make it look fantastic for TV because it felt big budget, mm. and so and obviously that HBO and everything else like it's gonna this isn't like a you know, low-budget TV adaptation that some of these channels do. HBO will give it, like, yeah. that gloss, and these mm-hmm. people know how to give it, the, you know, the creators of Shinobu know how to give it that TV gloss as well. So I think it's... I, I, I couldn't think of a better match for it, to be honest. Yeah, nothing on HBO to me feels cheap or rushed. Like, everything mm. feels careful and very expensive and very well-produced in a good way. Mm. Um, so, yeah, like, I, yeah, it's one of the only shows that I haven't seen, and there's been at least four or five shows in the last year that I've loved on HBO, and it's only, like, five episodes, isn't it? So I, sh- I should definitely check it out. Yeah, it's like, yeah, maybe six. Yeah, um, it's, not, it's not that much of a commitment. Yeah, so I'm definitely going to check it out <laughs> for soon. Yeah, this is one of those ones that I completely agree with you. Like, do I need a Last of Us adaptation? Definitely not. You know, I love that first game, played it mm-hmm. multiple times, cannot wait for the sequel. Playing it again um, currently. But, like, yeah, seeing a TV version of that, I would be fascinated to be like, oh, okay, what would they change? You know, the ultimate question, and we can talk about this in future shows, is like Joel and Ellie, the stars oh of The Last of Us. Yeah. Like, where do you go with that casting man like it's 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 exciting because there's so many options you could take it but it's I mean, also they've already cast it bro <laughs> they're not gonna they're not gonna do that <laughs> um you know those actors are and i do call them actors are amazing in the last of us um but i think that I no just, i'm talking about we've already had the last of us made as a movie it was called oh, logan about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah for people that don't know like the way Hugh Jackman looks in that movie was just completely stole from The Last of Us. Um, it's all yeah. I can see. The second they cast it, and I I saw like a few of the tweets going around, I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's not happening, but now you can't unsee it. He's definitely the one that I think is slightly easier because I think there are a lot of actors that fit that mold. I think Ellie is such a harder like character yeah. to cast. Um you know like a young actress it's just it's very very difficult and especially because she changes the most out of anyone throughout the entire story um but yeah it's cool man like it's one of those ones where the more i think about it i'm more like it would excite me to see their take on it and especially like what you said neil Druckmann has to be involved in this i think that if he wasn't i would not be remotely interested um so seeing him trying to adapt it with the creative input of someone who who has more experience doing this sort of stuff like yeah HBO exactly. miniseries you know because neil's world is completely different to that um so yeah it's cool it's an interesting one but again like what we said with the Eli Roth stuff I always kind of like I don't think video game things are ever going to happen until they happen um but sometimes <laughs> they do look at Witcher like that that is a thing that's happened and I really dug that so fingers well yeah exactly one. it's just you know they're, they're saying the right things right now yeah for sure important. Um, this next new news story is a little bit of a weird one, really, because it's one of those ones where the more you dig into it, I'm like, what is the actual news here? But everyone was kind of talking about it, and it's, it's involving someone that we really like. So I feel like we have to put it in there. Um, it's involving one James Wan. Um, of course, busy, busy man these days. Um, Just make your horror movie, James. Just make <laughs> your horror movie. Well, of course, yeah, he is making one that we'll see this year, which is ridiculously exciting. It's one of those ones that as soon as you kind of verbalize it out loud, you're like, my God, we're getting a brand new IP from James Wan this year. Like, how lucky are we? Um, But uh, yeah, then this new story is regarding um, James Wan potentially teaming up with Universal uh, for a monster movie. Um, 
obviously invisible man again in the news and kind of (laughs) the clearly a lot of different projects are going to be greenlit post that and the success um obviously like the the mummy a few years back was their first attempt where they were very much going to be like right we're going to avengers this and we're going to have all these (laughs) spin-off movies that are again going to tie together and that movie was so weird because i think it made something like 400 million or something like it made a lot of money but it was the the budget was something astronomical like almost like yeah, it was one, one of the, the biggest movie made. budgets of all time. Wasn't it was it? ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Whereas you look at Invisible Man now, it's, I think it's already made a hundred million, which is great. But it was made on like a seven million dollar budget. You know, so yeah, like it is all about just maintaining that. But um, the reason why I find this is a bit of a non-story is basically James One is I think it's his production company is is going to produce this movie. Um, mm. so there's a different guy who's attached to it as the writer called Robbie Thompson. Um, apparently he's a producer on Supernatural. Um, I don't know who he is, so I can't comment on him. Um, but he is the one who's writing the script, and then there's no director attached to this, and it's not apparently not James One directed. Um, but basically the the kind of the synopsis says um, uh, it's basically it sounds like a modern take on Frankenstein um, mm. where it's like a group of teens discover that a neighbor is building a monster in their basement. Um, so, yeah, it very much sounds that way. And yeah, like <clears throat> that aspect of it, I'm like, OK, like a modern retelling of Frankenstein. I'm definitely interested in that. Yeah. It's just this this new story that was going around with like a lot of James Wan being mentioned. I was like, he's not really involved in this when you dig into it. Like he's no, not this writing. Is, he's this not is directing. like a step below Eli Roth presents. Yeah, like, and that was a stretch far too mm-hmm. far, really. And I think you know, but you know, like you say, the, them trying to modernize these historical monster movies is super fascinating. Like, I never saw the Mummy, mm. um, and I would be interested to see it um, even after all the flack and everything. Yeah, um, and obviously, like Invisible Man was fantastic, and like. Yeah, like what they've just described there sounds like a cool a modern adaptation of Frankenstein. Obviously, I'd love to see Dracula, and you know, I'm I'm down for that. But I don't I don't care about James Wan, like his name being chucked at it because he's clearly not going to have anything really to do with this project. Mm. Um, and I'm already way more excited about the project that he is working on. Yeah. That aspect of it is weird. Like, I think it's it'll be interesting to see what we see from this Universal stuff, where apparently they have a lot of projects in the works already, but none of these sound interesting to me. The directors that are attached include Dexter Fletcher, um, who did Rocketman, I believe, um, Paul Fagg, of course, of Ghostbusters yeah. 20, whatever that was, 17, 16, um, and Elizabeth Banks, who's just come off one of the biggest bombs of 2019. So <laughs> the, the three names that are attached to this are like... And none of them are horror names in the slightest either. So, like, <laughs> I'm like, man, can you guys not rejangle this and realize what Lee Winnell did so brilliantly and don't fuck this up again? Because it sounds like you're going down the mummy route again with these names being mm. attached. Um, so, yeah, like, I hope none of these projects come into works because I just they don't they don't interest me in the slightest. Like, I want to see like uh, you know these these indie directors get a chance and these movies that we see countless yeah. times for the show these indie horror guys that can prove that they can do it with a small budget give them something like a classic character and see what they would do with it instead of trying to get these like big trendy names that just know nothing about horror in my opinion um so yeah it's an, it's an interesting one really but we shall see um we shall see. and then yeah lastly i threw a little trailer in here for you um yeah you did <laughs> that i made sure that you watched um <laughs> For, for people that haven't seen this uh, trailer, it's called Psycho Goreman. Um, 
and yeah i just want to talk <laughs> about it because i was like this is great <laughs> um this this movie is uh from uh steven kasansky i think his name is which is um he directed leprechaun returns oh um, here we go right <laughs> was that the name of that movie was that the name of that movie uh, sure whatever leprechaun movie that we covered that was decent um yeah i'm, for, I'm almost sure it was leprechaun returns yeah um yeah. and i think he did is it the void as well I think he did we the void yeah did you see that movie he, yeah yeah um but uh yeah like leprechaun was great and had really cool gore in it it was just a fun tongue-in-cheek time and i think this trailer was immediately that to me again where what i loved was it was a minute trailer and it just didn't mess around it was like here's this ridiculous concept of these kind of mm. like kids that have this basically like a horror monster that they can control um mm. and just a couple of good gags in there as well and i just really Bang appreciate soundtrack. Bang yeah soundtrack. i just really appreciate what they're going for in the trailer it's one of those ones where like if i saw this as a trailer for a potential at fright fest i'll be like we're going to see this movie <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> you know, that's if- that's exactly i saw that trailer and i was like 11 o'clock fright fest yeah i'm in <laughs> like exactly. give me that mega time squad slot and i'm definitely in like yeah, so hopefully we... watch this yeah. movie yeah good time i completely agree like it's one of those ones that i really want to see in that sort of environment mm-hmm. um the most interesting thing i guess uh, finishing it is that it was going to be a um south by southwest festival this week mm-hmm. is where it was gonna have its premiere and obviously that's been cancelled now mm-hmm. um so it's one of countless movies that are kind of were going to have their premieres and i guess with these festivals it's obviously interesting where a lot of movies get picked up post festivals don't they where mm, yeah, obviously exactly. they then get picked up by netflix or a shutter or anything else like that so it is it sucks man because there's so many people that just aren't going to get their movie out there mm. to to people now so i don't know what a movie like this does like i saw well, they posted a small thing on twitter delayed. i think it yeah. just gets delayed like they will have to show it at other festivals try mm. and get into other big festivals you know obviously it does then leave the door open to will it get a fright, fright fest entry and that sort of thing um mm and um get get picked up that way because chances are a movie like this doesn't necessarily have the pickup right now yeah, um sure. and and yeah it will be a lot of things are going to be delayed and and you know stuck in that kind of polaroid situation where the movie's mm. done and in the can and people know it exists but ca- when's it actually going to get in front of people in a real you know tangible distribution not just these weird little one-off screenings yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Like, I think I might have to start a Twitter campaign for this one to get it at Friday first, because I really <laughs> want to check it out. Um, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for the news this week. Uh, should we talk about this week's film? Let's do it. Let's talk about The Dare. yeah obviously as we teased at the start of the show um there's only really one place to start with this movie (laughs) yeah um which is friend of the show richard brake um which obviously a little horror movie movie, didn't he yeah which is awesome so this this is the first one we've seen since three from hell post three from hell yeah this is our first richard post three from hell yeah nice yeah (laughs) Which is always good because just the second I see him, I'm just like, man, I need to watch Free from Hell again. I've not seen it this year, so like, I need to. Yeah, I haven't again. seen it this year. You're right. <laughs> That's an excuse, that. right? We've not seen it this decade. Like, we need to. Yeah. Need to sort that. All good um, points. All good points. <laughs> I've technically um, not watched it with all the with the director's commentary either. Oh, have you not? I've done which that. Which is a bit of a sin. <laughs> yeah, I only watched like the first fifteen minutes. Yeah, um, right. I've no, got this multiple movie. reasons to watch. Th- so anyway, three from now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do our fourth show on three from now. 
Um, let's talk about a new film. No, let's do it. So yeah, the the deer, obviously, as you said, kind of starring our man Richard Brake. Um, kind of the the movie starts. We're introduced to this character called Jay, who um, basically in the opening scene there is a home invasion, and he gets captured and awakens in a basement and him and three other people find themselves pretty much in a saw trap you Mm. know this kind of um they're in this real dirty dingy basement they're strapped to uh the wall and they kind of are trying to figure out what's going on why is someone clearly messing with them you know why hasn't this person killed them why are they there and how are they going to get out and um as this kind of, you know, uh, I mean, I, essentially this, uh, I'm just going to refer to it as this trap, you know, this kind of saw trap. It's not it's not a conventional saw trap, but to me, that's just what it felt like so much. It's like the start um, of a lot of traps where it is literally four people with like one yeah, in each corner. There's just, there's just not that kind of, oh, this is now how you try to escape thing. It's yeah. just more like a prolonged <laughs> saw trap filled with lots of torture. Mm. Um but but yeah, and, and kind of as they're trying to get out of this basement, um, we start to get these kind of flashes to Richard, who um, has kind of, um, I guess it's hard to really go into it too much, but he's basically uh, got this uh, boy and he's kind of, kind of raising him as a captive and mm-hmm. kind of trying to teach him these very weird kind of... Um, morals and and he's he's grooming him in a sense to become a certain type of kind of monster when he grows up pretty much and it's it's kind of unclear from the start what his intent is but he's very much kind of trying to make this mold of this boy into into the like this kind of you know he's like you've got to be strong when you grow up and telling them that the world out there is horrible and kind of manipulating him and brainwashing him into into what we're not quite sure and it as to how this kind of blends in with the 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 four prisoners we're not quite sure either at this point mm. um and i guess kind of i guess i have to leave it kind of there for now there's definitely a hell of a lot more to unpack and we're gonna have to unpack it um mm. and and start to talk kind of you know i guess what we're not not right now but when we get to that point it will be kind of midway through spoilers i guess we get a reveal at some point that, that yeah. kind of connects those two timelines mm-hmm. and and I, we're gonna have to talk about that in order to, to fully analyze this movie but i think we can leave it there for a synopsis yeah definitely it's like those are the two main things that you kind of introduced to is like here's this mm. room and why are these people being held captive and being tortured and then also aside from that um and kind of like vaguely related because you kind of assume that richard's the person in charge of the room um but you don't necessarily see that um so it's kind of like okay what's going on what you know has he got these other people captive but also why does he have this boy um and he clearly like cares for this boy and wants to kind yeah. of um, yeah, he's, raise he's raising he's raising him as a kind of this unconventional father figure i think yeah. though as well um you know if you've seen the poster it's very clear that that person in the poster is not Richard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, you know that take you know take that what you want, but I think you know uh, me coming into this movie, I was very clear on what these two timelines were very early on in that mm. respect. Um, but but yeah, but yeah, that, obviously that's that's probably a good point to leave it, I guess, for now until we go into more on it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, do you want to delve into this beastie? 
Yeah, um, I, I like. I thought this movie was really interesting. Like, obviously, the Saw vibe straight away definitely got mm. me interested, and it was one that I'd heard a little bit about before. I think when we kind of looked up this movie, of like, oh, it's a Richard movie, you know, what's this one about? And seeing yeah, people and it sounded it, cool. Yeah, to like the Saw type stuff, I was like, oh, okay, I'm totally in on that. And yeah, it was it, like, first of all, I really liked the opening scene. Um, mm-hmm. really tense, kind of. It's one of those ones where it, it's hard to pull off something like that because, um. You've seen it done so many times, you kind of know what to expect, you know, because it's the start of a horror movie. But mm-hmm. they still managed to make me kind of relax just seeing this family and being like, oh, okay, here's just this family. Um, and already listening about what was going on, where like he's he's away from work a lot, so he doesn't get to spend too much time to them, and there's a bit of a fracture there with the relationship. Um, and all that stuff really, where they got a lot into like a very short scene, um, mm-hmm. where I kind of immediately knew who he was in the family. Um, and then yeah, like very tense scene, and I really appreciated that as the opening scene. So I just thought it was a good scene to kick off the movie. I think um, I think what it did was something like Incident in Ghostland, where it kind of just mm. amped it up very quickly from very early on, and it kind of I think it took that beat where it started off a bit slow and then amped up super quick. That was kind of like an unconventional pace that kept, that had you off guard. Yeah, and I think it's kind of um, you know it's kind of similar to, to like the first Saw movie when Jigsaw is kind of collecting people or whoever mm. that person might be um, <laughs> is collecting people because um, you know it is these very quick captures in a home invasion like scenario quite often and those were the most terrifying parts of that Saw movie originally. Yeah, um, and yeah, I thought it was a super strong opening. Yeah, so that was cool. And then you kind of immediately plunked into this area that's very sore reminiscent, you know, and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, we've got these four characters. Um, let's figure out what's going on. And um, I was interested immediately where we kind of knew who was it Jay is like our lead character. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely was like, okay, I know who Jay is in this. I now want to know who these other three people are. And um, obviously one of them is very... <laughs> doesn't really talk mm-hmm. <laughs> um so he's kind of like out of it really for for the own for the you know for reasons that make sense within the movie mm-hmm. um so that's fine but the other two characters i was very much like why are you here and i get yeah. that there needs to be obviously mystery into it but i it, it got to a point where i was kind of like oh they're not really asking the questions i want them to ask like again you have to compare this to saw because that's obviously what they're going for but like that's what yeah. i liked how immediately when adam and gordon are locked in that room together they really start asking questions that you would be of like who are you what do you do for a living why are you in here da, 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 like trying mm. to get these connections yeah um and then this movie didn't really do that did it i don't think in those early scenes no i think like what you touched upon there was saw you know it very much um gets you they ask the questions that would be real life questions but it also helps you as the movie viewer develop yeah. that character whereas yeah these these characters yeah it got a chunk into the movie and they felt super undeveloped they basically were just like i don't know you and then they're mm-hmm. like okay and then just moved on i was like well hang on like you know what what is the connection there's obviously something you know yeah. someone doesn't just capture four people and chain them in a room like you know at, at complete random or at least not not often does that happen yeah um, definitely because i think with these types of movies you always know that there's going to be later reveals which is fair enough that kind of mm-hmm. like changes your perspective but i think what i like about the movies that do it really well is they give you say 60 percent of the truth you know so they give you like yeah. what has actually happened but then they leave out certain aspects that then flip it whereas i think what this movie tried to do was be like right we know the backstory of these characters and you will find it out eventually which you do but we're gonna give you like almost none of it so then it's just like okay these characters are a mystery and then when we get to the part of the movie 
somebody when we're going to tell you who they are, then you'll find out. Um, and I, I don't like that approach compared to what I said before, mm. where I'd rather they be like, no, here's this, this, and this, but maybe we're leaving out a few links to really solidify why they're all here. And then you go over that later on in the movie. Um, so yeah, that was just something that I thought was like a little bit kind of, you know, could have been better in the early bits, yeah. but, um, get, to get, to then get back to the other story of it, which is the Richard raising this, this kid stuff. Um, I really liked all these, <laughs> like the, the, the dynamic between the two was fascinating from the get go where, um, I can't remember what like the first scene is with the two of them, but, um, I remember th- he's, he's kind of captive. It's, it's very clear that he's kind of like captive, isn't it? Like right. Early doors, I think. Cause I remember there's like um, the one when he's like cleaning on the floor, but I was like, was there a scene before that? I couldn't, I couldn't remember. If I think was. there was, I think right. there was, I think that was the second scene. Yeah. Um, so it's like, it's just this weird dynamic where you're like, cause, and to, you have to really talk about as well. Like he is very abusive to this child, like physically, mm. and it's pretty damn uncomfortable to watch at times. Um, mm. Where we've seen Richard obviously do a lot of these different roles now and do these really uncomfortable sinister villains, but I don't think we've seen him do this type of villain, which is to do with children before. And I think that definitely adds an element where normally it's like a woman captive or 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 a man, like what you see in like Thirty One and stuff. Where yeah, it's, it's very it's like very this difficult friendly, to watch. smiley character who's kind of like dressed normal he's got his like his hair nicely done and he's very much like uh the nice guy but then he's doing these really messed up things to a child i thought was a cool juxtaposition for this film um because it immediately hooked me in and i was like man like there again this is a movie that gets why they got richard which is that he does like charismatic stuff and charming stuff ridiculously well and i think it's what he's really really good at um and it's why i think he's so perfect for a rob zombie movie because for us or, or for me anyway like what i love in those movies is he creates these complete piece of shit guys on these characters who in reality you would you know you would hate you would never want to see yeah. but in the film world they're like the most likable interesting people um and it's and it comes from those actors absolutely like you could hardly Definitely. no one else could really write characters like that um so i really appreciate the what richard does in that aspect and so you get a bit of this in here where it's like okay this guy should be a complete scumbag but the way he's sometimes treating this guy you're kind of like is it that just tough love aspect? But it's obviously going way too far. Um, so I thought those scenes were really interesting and obviously not to get into a bit too spoilery, but I almost wanted more of that um, because that was mm. the most interesting part of the movie to me. Like I really, really liked those scenes. And then obviously kind of getting towards a halfway point where we get the reveal. Um, I definitely got to the point in the movie where I was like, I've kind of seen enough of the, the stuff in the room from the, at this point um, where we're seeing a lot of torture and a lot of different horror scenes, which are cool, but it started to become a little bit aimless and a little bit like, I don't really know why these characters are here and I don't know why they're being tortured. Whereas mm. like, I do care about the Richard and the, and the son or, or the child aspect a lot. Um, and obviously they do tie that stuff together and we'll obviously get to that um, when we when we discuss the reveal. But for me personally, that was the stuff that I was really involved in and I wanted to see more of that. Um, but yeah, I guess it's, it's too, it's hard not to talk about the, the reveal stuff later on. What did you think about it? Yeah, I think um, this movie does a lot of things right and I enjoyed quite a bit about it. And then there's also quite a few parts that were rough around the edges and I didn't like as much. Mm. And so... Ultimately, at that point, it became a way of kind of where do the scales tip on it. And I still think I came out of it like in this movie. Mm. Um, obviously, you know, what you touched upon with kind of Richard and the, and the uh, Dominic kind of child character um, was super fascinating in the beginning. And to be honest, I love the backwards and forwards between the room and kind of them because you've got this real sinister, tense kind of scenes with Richard and, and the child. And then obviously you've got these 
people in the room and some of the torture that was happening to him was it just amazes me that these movies can do this sort of stuff on the budget they must have at this point yeah. like there was some there was some mad stuff in this movie and um it kind of it got to a point and i think it to me it almost was this reveal that we're skirting around right now that kind of post that everything didn't feel as good to me um i think kind of some of the um gore that that happened at that point and kind of you know the the violence in this movie went a bit cg heavy at times mm. there was one scene in particular that just really lost me because it went very cg and i felt like it was very you know the 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 quality and those practical effects that they were doing, I didn't think, you know, they, they should have gone to the CG route. And also um, when we kind of get this reveal that kind of tries to blend the two together, it didn't, it didn't overly work for me. The whole, the whole, there's kind of like a very long scene that, that kind of tells the story as to what's going on. Basically. Mm. I wasn't overly in that scene at all. And it didn't, really give me a satisfying answer and then kind of ultimately as we started to explore kind of you know more more kind of dominic as a character and kind of like his kind of journey i was kind of the more we explored and the less that kind of like it became kind of him him and richard as much i kind of just didn't i didn't enjoy it nearly as much and i think it was um you know, those, those parts of it, it was, was when I kind of started to get, you know, a bit bored of it, where I was kind of like, I just, I almost felt like they tried to link the two things too much. Mm. And it meant, and it was trying to tell what seemingly, you know, had a lot of airtime and should have been this important thing that for me, would just felt like very cheap and didn't overly click. You know, it ultimately, um, you know, not not going to spoilers, but it kind of, you know, the film's called The Dare. It kind of evolves around this kind of childhood prank gone wrong type thing. Mm. And I'm like, I've kind of seen that a million times in horror movies. And to be honest, quite a lot of them have actually been done better. It doesn't really explain like Richard's character at all, that side of it, and yeah. kind of his origin as such. Um, and, and so... Um, yeah, that's where it kind of lost it for me. But, but like I say, overall, I still I still did enjoy this movie. And what I enjoyed most about this movie was how different it was, and how you had these two kind of timelines going on, and you had all these questions, and it kind of it felt super unconventional in in that aspect, and kind of something that you don't tend to see. Normally, you'll get like the opening of a movie that gives you the setup, or you'll get it halfway through showing him as a child and that sort of thing. But having that airtime between kind of him as a child and then kind of the the the, the basement trap I, I thought was a really you know interesting new approach to that sort of thing mm. um and and yeah I, I definitely dug I dug the first half of the movie a lot more than I did the second half of the movie I think yeah I did as well where um <clears throat> once you get that reveal it definitely changes the game and then the movie's kind of these two storylines then become one storyline mm. and you only really have kind of one through line for the rest of the movie where it is just kind of like a cat and mouse game really just to end the movie mm. and it's all mm. good stuff i think it is entertaining yeah um and it's and it's done well and i do think one of the things that really stood out to me especially because you know this is an in, in, indie horror film um i thought this looked really really nice like we've yeah. seen a lot of indie stuff especially this year stuff like vfw and i don't want to call out any other films particularly but like 
we've seen movies that I just don't think look very nice. And I thought this looked really, really nice. Like it shot really well. Um, there's a few mm. scenes in particular. I just think are like, they really pop on the screen for an indie movie because a lot of these movies, they look a bit murky and a little bit mm. kind of rushed. This felt like it had some production weight to it, which I appreciated. Um, well, it was just, it was just so really clever use of this kind of basement scene in mm. particular and the lighting in it. So, so kind of, um, the the four people that are stuck in the basement are being kind of held captive by this guy that keeps coming in and out of the room mm. and he has like this real like messed up mask and they do a, they do such a good job of um clearly showing him but keeping his mask enough in the shadows that you don't get that full reveal of what he looks like and i was yeah. kind of fascinated to see exactly what it was you kept seeing like different aspects of it and i was like this looks like some cool, cool Slipknot mask going on here that, that I'm digging. Like, yeah. and and yeah, like that that side of it was extremely well done because I feel like a a low budget horror movie would either just have him in darkness and mm. you just don't see the top of his head, and then it ruins this cool mask, or it's just completely well lit straight away and you don't get that cool reveal. But kind of the way this mask is and the way it was shot with the use of shadow, I really did enjoy. Yeah, those scenes are very effective. Like when he's mm. coming in, when he's doing different things, and you're kind of like, oh God, what, what's going to happen next? I do, I like the fact that kind of uh, one of the four is just so destroyed early on because it, yeah. it really sets the tone of like, this is going to be everyone's fate by the end of this movie. Mm. You know, where it's kind of like, you know, as a viewer, you're kind of like, okay, what is the goal? Is it going to be some sort of game where he gives them a chance to escape? Or is it just going to be, you know, he's just going to kill them? But that was kind of one of those weird things of like, one of the most fucked up elements that these movies can do where it's just like, I'm just going to keep you here for as long as I possibly can just to torture mm. you for the sake of it. But I want you to stay alive. Like there's a reason why I'm feeding you. And there's a reason why I'm not doing the intense level of violence that would just kill you. <laughs> you know, I want mm. you to live through this, um, yeah. which I think is always one of the most messed up elements of that. Um, but yeah. I really appreciate it. It's kind of take on that sore stuff. And I think it just shows you how hard that is to do. Yeah where once you have the four characters in there and they're tied up like you say there's only so much you can do where it's like oh, okay yeah, you can, you do can either few torture them or torture. kill them yeah like it's very hard to kind of extrapolate that and keep that going <clears> for the movie um th that's why i think i would have liked them to move away from that a bit quicker to then be like oh, okay is this kind of house a bit more involved mm. almost like going from saw one to saw two where it's like oh, okay there's more shit going on rather than just this one location um but yeah, I still but... really dug those scenes, like especially like there's, I mean, there clearly is the saw stuff here because there's even yeah. the shot where like they see the camera and they're kind of like waving at it and they're like, yeah, oh, yeah, they're like what the hell are you doing? What do you want from us? And then like the camera pulls out and you see like the CCTV footage and it's with no audio, it's just the video, and then you see someone watching that screen. I almost expected the person to give it a little wave to the screen, like what Zep does in <laughs> Saw, because it yeah. was like spot on from Saw. Which oh I yeah, there were real Saw homages <laughs> here, and even there was a shot where the um. The camera is kind of like um, from kind of like outside of the room. Yes, the wide angle got black, of it, yeah. the wide angle black all around, and mm -hmm. they kind of like so it look like they're floating, and the camera yes. kind of pings into the frame. I don't really know how you describe that shot, but it's like no. it's very much it, that is that is how kind of this the Saw movies have that exact shot as well, and it shows it kind of shows this level of isolation mm. when you've got these characters in that situation that you can see on screen, and you've got this black all around, and it pans in, and it's just like. They're on their own. Like, no one's coming to rescue them. Not at any point does a delivery man turn up and they try to get his attention or 
you know, the postman or something like that. It's like, no, they're in the middle of nowhere. No one is coming for them. They make that very clear. And, the, you know, their only way of escaping is them, themselves trying to get out of it, um, yeah. which, I, which I definitely kind of appreciate. Like, I absolutely love that shot. That was so cool. Mm. And, yeah, it definitely was reminiscent of, like, the, the shot in Saw 5 with the head trap in the water. Yes, that was the um, one. I knew, there, I knew it was one. I couldn't quite ping in what, what kind of trap it was, but I knew yeah, they did that exactly. One of my favorite traps in all the Saw movies, and it's so awesome in that movie because, obviously, he starts as, like, this tiny little square in the center of the screen, mm. and then they zoom in, and you see that isolation. Whereas, yeah, like, that, that it makes sense how you would shoot that. Whereas mm. with this movie, it was almost more impressive because I was like... This yes, was an entire 3D space mm. of a room with multiple characters walking around. And I wonder if, like like you say, there is CG in this movie. So I wonder mm. if that was like a CG shot, but it looked very good regardless yeah. of how they've done it. Yeah, um, I feel like it had to be. I just don't know how you'd achieve that otherwise because no. the camera has to tangibly leave the room and I don't know, you'd have to like, I don't know, man. But like stuff like that, I appreciate because again, mm. we see a lot of indie movies where um, they just don't care about that sort of stuff. You know, it's yeah. kind of like okay, just sh- show us the action, show us the gore, and then you know, move on, and that's it. That's what's what a horror movie is. Whereas I that that shows a level of craft and a level of like love for the game, which I appreciate. Mm. Where they cl- they clearly want to you know make these cool shots, like when Darren made um, the Saw sequels. And I don't know if you remember that. One of the things we watching, he did these weird transition shots in like Saw. I think yeah. it was four where he did it a lot, where they would like smash in, like someone would smash through glass, and then you'd be in like another scene. Um, yeah, and stuff like that. I thought was really, really cool. Yeah, it's almost, like, almost like the midsummer kind of when she transitions from the flat to, yes. the, to the airport, yeah. uh, the mm-hmm. airplane. You know, and it's kind of I like, love, I love stuff that like jump. That. Yeah, and it's just like it is fantastic. Yeah yeah um, and it's like again there's no need for that necessarily but like it looks mm. really cool and if you kind of catch that it just you're like oh that's really really cool yeah like, and i think kind yeah. of um was it giles alderson the guy writer writer director yeah um and i think kind of this is his first um feature oh, from what hmm. i've seen um so kind of got a lot of shorts on there and um but this is kind of i think it was his first feature as a director um right. i also saw that he had a uh, producer credit for serial killer's guide to life which I thought oh was nice awesome. yeah. <laughs> um but yeah and i kind of think like this guy's clearly got some talent behind the camera with with mm. those sorts of shots and the way that like these practical effects was done and like in terms of the um kind of you know we went for a phase of a ton of saw ripoffs the collector probably being the best of those. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and this is one of the best kind of representations of a saw trap that I've seen outside of saw in terms mm. of that basement room. I did in, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, yeah, but, if that room was in spiral, it would to me yeah. that would feel like a genuine new saw trap. You know, it yeah. doesn't feel like some shitty ripoff or homage. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So I'd definitely, you know, I'd definitely be excited to see more kind of, you know, what what this guy can do. Definitely yeah for sure um but yeah i mean I think, do, do we should we go to recommend and, and yeah i mean should we go to recommend and then we'll go into a bit of spoiler on it because i think this is one that we do need to we've skirted around it a lot and i want to yeah. unpack it a bit yeah as far as recommendations go like i would recommend this because we see a lot of indie stuff and i was just looking actually at the kind of movies that we've covered over the last sort of six or seven months mm. that aren't your big marquee releases that are the more yeah. smaller stuff i'm thinking you know from this year vfw harpoon late last year kind of girl on the third floor the furies bliss little monsters nightingale you know those are the smaller indie movies mm-hmm. and i would definitely put this towards the top of that list for me personally yeah. of, all, of all those ones that i just mentioned in terms of my own personal enjoyment where 
you know, it wasn't, um, it didn't overstay its welcome. It was like a lean 90 minutes, which I always appreciate. And mm-hmm. like you say, the, the small mentions that we've, that we've said about the, the level of craft in the camera work is something that I really appreciated again, more than all those other movies. Um, mm-hmm. you know, writing wise, I agree with you that I think it ultimately, it does get a bit too bogged down in this one event, um, yeah. that, that is trying very hard to tie everything together and, and ultimately when you come out at the end of the movie i was like it, it did make sense like it's not it's silly not clean. Yeah. yeah it was like they did it was almost too clean in a way really where you're yeah. kind of like i would have almost liked it a little bit more open-ended because you were very much like here's what happened you know outside of what you mentioned with richard brake's character he's like the only one really who is like a little bit as a little bit of an enigma um because everyone yeah. else is very much like here's what happened at this point at this point at this point um and i almost feel like it is a little bit too clean where I, with a horror movie mm. especially like an indie you know saw take lots of graphic violence you want it to be a bit more rough around the edges and a little bit more looser in its in its scripts um but again that's kind of like a weird criticism but um no i, I really dug this movie and i definitely think it's one that's going to fly under the radar and again like what we say all the time with these independent horror movies like this is the exact type of movie that should be put on shutter you know yeah this is the exact type of movie that like you shouldn't have to seek out as a horror fan you know, if you're if you're a subscriber to these horror services like a Shudder or even like Netflix and all these other ones, they should. This is the type of stuff that they should put be put in front of you. And we've seen plenty of stuff from Shudder and most notably from Netflix that isn't on this level. Mm. Um, so I think yeah. the creation is one of the things that really irks me because we see a lot of Netflix movies in particular that, that yeah. I get hyped for because they're publicizing it. What was that one that was like a ripoff of A Quiet Place? Um, I can't oh, remember. The God. silence was it? Or yeah, like the that? silence. Yeah, it was like it was like they they advertised the shit out of that, and I get and yeah. I get it because it and was so many uh, people saw it as well. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like a movie like that does not deserve people's time, whereas this does, and yeah. so I think that's what bums me out the most. Where. I feel sorry for these independent filmmakers so much because, mm. you know, we talk about it all the time in movies like Life Changer and stuff where it's just it's so hard to get eyeballs on your movie. Um, yeah. So, yeah, for me, I'd definitely recommend it. That was a long recommend, bro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I kind of agree, really. I think I think this is definitely uh, on, like, a, a streaming service watch. Mm. You know, if, if, this, if this got thrown on Shudder or something like that, I would be definitely saying to people, check this out. And, yeah, mm. it's a shame that it's not on that sort of thing. Um, you know, because I think, you know, I don't think this is one that you have to kind of rush out there and try to find but but to Mm. your point on it that you raised like in terms of these indie movies that we've seen this one's got a lot of kind of real interesting parts to it and just something that like i say i could see i can see i see more from this guy and appreciating his work and kind of um, yeah you know and and seeing kind of where where it kind of begins with this one is interesting i think um you know, it reminded me a lot of kind of barge people that we saw mm. um, where I was like, I really enjoyed a lot of it and it just didn't quite give you that and full kind of, and it's just kind of, I think that's the case with, with indie movies where a lot of them are that case. There are very few that are like yeah. give you that full package and it's kind of, it's almost being overly harsh on them because the few that achieve it, you then kind of put everyone in that box because there are some indie movies that have literally made you know top five of our year-end list and so kind of when there is that elite in this crop but there's this is still kind of you know like i say one of the better ones that that we we have seen Um, that's a really good point because that's what we're comparing it to like it's not like you're comparing it to 
stuff we've seen this year but literally mm. like the whole spectrum of all the movies the independent movies that we've seen for the show mm. there really is like one two maybe even three at a push where i'm like that is the level yeah, that, that was the peak. yeah um you know and so that's not it's not like a negative if a movie doesn't necessarily hit that level um mm. because it's still there's still a sea of of movies that are way below my recommendation level, yeah where i'm like i can't believe it was a you know it was a genuine waste of time watching that and then yeah. there is many 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 levels in between those two for sure Um, i think yeah and i think if you are a person that watches a lot of indie horror then you should definitely check out this one because you know like i say you're gonna see so many things that are just way worse than this yeah definitely yes i think kind of going into spoilers a little bit which is uncommon for us but i think Mm. it's important to kind of bring into obviously we get that kind of so yeah spoilers for anyone at this point i think like I don't think it completely ruins the movie. Um, if you do, that's like a mid reveal. Yeah, we're not going to go right into the ending, but it's this mid movie reveal where it kind of it reveals that basically the four people in this. Well, it, first of all, we we reveal pretty early on. I feel that that Dominic, the child, is the um, the the guy in the mask that's holding the four captive. Yeah, and the four that are being cap- held captive figure out that he that they figure out who he is and that basically at when they were children they all it's it kind of jumped into the scene super Mm. quick and i was really confused were these four people like really good friends had they only just met and all of this stuff we we find out later on that they pretty much were just together for a few days which makes it seem even more weird Mm. um because they basically had this gang and dominic comes along and they they straight up kind of just torture him really in this kind of super cruel way that that didn't really make a lot of sense to me where they just really he just comes along and they're like suddenly whip out like uh because they they weren't expecting him to come were they they were just like hanging out and then dominic turns up Mm. and suddenly they're like oh well this kid's kind of following us let's give him some dares to initiate us into the gang and then someone's like oh i know and whips out like a tub of worms and i'm like Mm. (laughs) <laughs> carries a tub of worms with him for this exact scenario <laughs> there's like a few things like that and yeah they, they super kind of torture him that leads to kind of the final scene where um they dare him to go into this um i don't really know what they think it is it's his farmhouse basically the i don't know whether there's stories around it i think there is like this kind of urban legend around it of like this crazed farmer that will get you and that sort of thing kind of Mm. these very kind of conventional you know urban legend type things and so he goes into the farmhouse and that's when kind of richard pops up and that's how he captures him yeah which i found like super weird because early on in the story it kind of and as we get into why richard keeps him and why he raises him the way he does like the fact that this child just landed on a plate for him just feels really weird and kind of too convenient for me where I kind of felt like in the first half of the movie, he actively chose the child he wanted and kind of got him, but that didn't happen at all. And it was kind of odd. And I just kind of felt like it, they needed a way to tether the people into the room and they needed a way for Richard to capture him. And so they used the two combined Whereas I would have been happier with kind of them being mean to him and then him being kind of left there and then Richard kind of watching and then coming along and stalking him. Because especially I I could have done with some kind of Richard stalking and capturing him as well. Like, and that side of it, as opposed to him just landing on a plate. And I know that's like, 
And again, it's getting super critiquey, but I think that's part of it where I was enjoying so much of it that I was kind of wanting everything to go my way. And kind of when things like this didn't, I think it did kind of disappoint me. Mm. Um, And kind of once we got that reveal and kind of um, why he hated them so much, kind of um, the final acts of this movie was very odd as to kind of when characters start to kind of, again, I'm going to skirt around certain things here because I don't want to go too spoiler, but when characters obviously start to kind of escape or have confrontations with him where it's not just this complete one-sided thing where he's, where he's just dominating them. um, It all kind of felt like not, right if you know what i mean he you know it's just kind of like one of these weird things where he'll kind of half unchain someone and then be like have a little bit of a paddy attack and they Mm. run off and stuff and i was like i don't really buy this like could they not have you know earlier on in the film like a character gets like a razor blade and tries to like escape that way and i just feel like I wanted them to discover something to, to lead to their escape as opposed to him just having a little bit of a meltdown and then they decide to escape because he never really has a full meltdown that he doesn't want to do this anymore or doesn't want to get them anymore. He just has these moments that don't really make sense. And then vice versa, where the the characters that are escaping have these moments where they want to like stab him and then at other moments where they're like, nah, you know, I'm mm. not that sort of person. I don't want to kill you. And I'm like, it just... I don't know. It, there, there were those moments that are in these final acts that just kind of didn't work for me quite a bit. Whereas it, and I don't really know why they would, what they were trying to achieve with it. Like the, the whole Dominic kind of in the final act of this movie didn't make a lot of sense to me as to yeah. kind of what he was, what his motivations were. Like, was he struggling with conflict? Was he trying to not kill them? Like, uh, you know, what was going on? And, Ultimately, as well, our kind of characters aren't that fleshed out. And so, I like, the most fleshed out character by a mile is Dominic. So I'm like, do I, who do I want to live, mm. die? I don't really know. Like, I didn't feel like I had that rooted investment, which might have been the point, but I just don't, I don't know. Like, a lot of it, a lot of those kind of choices, um, like I said, I don't want it to sound like I hate this movie, but a lot a lot of those choices did feel like odd to me and kind of just didn't quite work and um when when we were at that 45 minute mark before we had this kind of reveal of the dare thing i was so into it and so yeah it definitely didn't drop off a cliff but but yeah yeah i agree that like for me that i definitely think that the motivations of the characters was such a weird thing where Mm. once we're introduced to kind of like okay now we know who dominic is we know that he's kind of got like a personal vendetta against these people he chose these people for a reason Mm. um they kind of remember it all and kind of figured it all out so it's like right we're all on a level playing field now like we as the audience know what's going on dominic knows the victims know um and i agree with you then then it still became what we kind of saw in the first half where he's kind of like coming in and maybe torturing them or maybe feeding them. And then, yeah, occasionally he would either have a change of, uh, you know, mindset where he would maybe like be a bit sympathetic and then occasionally they would attack him, but then sometimes they wouldn't. And I agree with you where it got to the point where it was very murky. Who was trying to do what, you know, like, Mm. There's a scene where I think they try and like bait him where they try and like do, I think that's what happened where they like tried to bait him into coming into the room. 
Um, yeah. And then, and yeah. You think like, oh, okay, have they set up like a plan now? But then they haven't really. Like it kind of just all goes, uh, as, you know, sideways very quickly. Yeah, and they then, just like, forget again, how yapped he is. And they're yeah, just like, like, no, can't defeat him. <laughs> yeah, and, and like you say, they have opportunities where it's like, right, you, you could attack him or run there, but you choose not to you choose to just obey him again and then yeah and then, but then you've attacked him and now you're obeying him again and it's almost like once you've made one of those choices i feel like you kind of have to commit <clears> to <throat> it, it's like if this <throat> character has like messed him over and tried to attack him i don't think he's suddenly just going to be like right i trust you now you're going to be obedient again right like right go yeah. sit in the corner again like it's you almost can't pull that back once you've kind of like released it um yeah and he was like mute for mm. like half of the movie and then suddenly when we got the reveal that in the current timeline, nothing else has changed. He suddenly becomes chatty. Yeah. <laughs> and that felt odd as well. I think I think it's one of those things that the last couple of weeks, we've spoken a lot about the movies, obviously The Boy and um, An Invisible Man, in that everything felt so genuine, even in something like The Boy. Like, every decision that was made kind of made sense for that world they built. And this, that didn't happen in the final act. And so I kind of think because we... We spoke about it a lot for the last two reviews we've done. I feel like when this one didn't happen, I felt even more switched onto it. Mm. That, that I was like, why are they doing this? Like, you know, why are you running up the stairs when the doors open kind of thing? Yeah, it became a bit messy and it very much became, like what I said before, just like a somewhat generic cat and mouse game where it was enjoyable for what it was because there mm. was some, you know, it was shot well. Um, I did like the acting overall as well. Like I thought that the um, the kind of the main people of the room were decent. And yeah, the guy, was the guy was, called Jay? Yeah, he was decent. Yeah. And I liked the, once he kind of takes the mask off as Dominic, I just liked the way he looked where he was this massive physically imposing guy, but his face was very much like this baby face, like younger looking person. And yeah, I wasn't expecting that. No, because it, and it, and it, again, it is, it's a small thing, but I think it suits that character from what we'd seen with Richard, where it's like, you know, he's had this stunted childhood. His childhood has basically been taken away from him. So he's kind of, he hasn't really grown into a man in his facial features, but then obviously Richard was training him to be this big, strong man. So physically he is imposing. So I just, I thought cast him, wise that was a very good choice and that guy played that character that character very well as well where those moments when he is talking i was kind of like man you kind of like did him a bit of a disservice because early on when he's just coming in and he's doing the stuff with the mask on i almost assumed that yeah, was just has like nothing a, to deal with i assumed that, that was just like a bodybuilder <laughs> i was like i did i didn't even know if they even had an actor at that point you know yeah we didn't i honestly know thought they missed be. a trick not to have a wrestler at that point yeah it easily uh, could have been for the first yeah. half of the movie because it was like it just needed to be a big, tall, strong man. You know, it I was didn't waiting to, to be... see some tattoos that I recognised. Exactly, um, but no, I, like you say, um, and definitely like the end in the last couple of scenes, it was very much like it was a generic horror ending. You know, it's not not something that I particularly care for. Like the final scene, it was just like, yeah, uh, I get it. You have to have that final scare, but obviously. <laughs> I criticize a lot of movies for this and mm. you know at the end of the day i'm criticizing the genre more than anything because everyone does it but the only way we're going to change is if we don't do it and obviously yeah last week i spoke positively because the invisible man did not do that whereas this movie did obviously choose to do that and i think it's difficult because it is hard to just end a movie and have the guts to be like the movie's over see you later you know we whereas, had, the, we like, had the final scene of the movie though like mm. i feel like you pan away when when a certain character's outside like <laughs> and kind of like um you know you pan away from that credits roll i'd have felt satisfied i didn't yeah, need that same. extra scene because i was confused as yeah. to who these characters were and then kind of ultimately when i figured out who they were and kind of what was going on i was like oh, okay and i was gonna mm. happen here 
Like, yeah. are you are you trying to create a Jason? Like at this yeah. point, like what are you trying to do? Like, so yeah, I, it, it felt super, like you say, kind of this Hollywood horror side of it, where they're, where they're trying to bring this in. Um, but yeah, you know, I think kind of bringing it back that, you know, I think it's being critical of this movie because it did so much right and had so mm. many positive things. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think kind of, I think, I think as well, maybe as well, it, the way the way it was kind of edited towards the end, I feel like there probably is a different cut of this that just that is a bit more concise and doesn't have kind of these weird character decisions. Because a lot of the times when they um, don't attack or, or make the wrong move and stuff, could have been left out of this movie and just would have it would have personally irked me a lot less. Like mm-hmm. I don't know whether that would be the case for everyone. Maybe yeah. I'm just more switched on to that. But yeah, there, there are definitely things that were in this movie that I feel like could have snipped out wouldn't have hurt the movie and would have would have been preferential for me yeah the last thing i'll say about this movie really is that um ultimately what it shows is that there's a lot going on here like we've mm-hmm. seen a lot of movies for this show that are incredibly dull and boring which is obviously mm-hmm. one of the worst things you can have where it's almost like there's no meat on the bones to even pick at whereas mm-hmm. This has been a pretty lengthy conversation on this movie, and there is still aspects of it that we haven't even talked about. And so mm. I think that for an indie movie, like even something like um, The Furies I was thinking about, that you were quite a big fan of, but mm. like there really wasn't too much going on, was there? It was kind of no. like, you know, once you kind of got that initial setup, that is the movie, and that's fine if that's what you're going for. Um, but I do like hair where, yes, there is stuff that we don't like, but there's also mm. a lot of stuff that we do like. But then there's a lot of stuff, <laughs> you know, like I appreciate <laughs> that. Like it's... Yeah, like they tried a lot of stuff, you know, like there's there's timelines being um, involved here. There's multiple kind of like mm. actors playing same characters. There's like it a was lot very, of very ambitious. Yeah. You know, in that aspect. So there's a lot of stuff going on here for an indie movie. So that was like my last thing I think is cool mm. about this movie. Um, but yeah, we've already done our recommendations. So that's pretty mm. much it. Um, check out the dare. Um, but yeah, uh, we will take a short break and we will be right back. This is a Richard break. Grab your fucking popcorn. You're listening to Super Horror Bros. Yeah, we do have a email this week. Of course, you can always hit us up on Twitter at shbpod. Or did I say that right? That sounded wrong. Yeah. No, um, SHB pod. Is that what yeah. I said? Um, yeah. Or you can email us at superhorrorbrospodcast at gmail.com. Um, now, this week, we have one from Sean. Um, we asked <laughs> him to forgot, do some homework. I forgot about this one. Oh, no. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah. Um, I, I'd forgotten until this moment, and uh, I'm looking forward to it again. Yes. Yeah, so I, I asked him. Obviously, he had picked up the, the seminal classic, Microwave Massacre, <laughs> on Arrow Blu-ray. And um, I, we asked for a review. And Sean, These hills been... that we choose to die on, man. <laughs> <laughs> i will continue to die on this hill forever um but uh yeah sean has a review so i mean i need, I need to just read some of this bad boy because it's pretty awesome but uh yeah he says um there are so many aspects of this movie to appreciate the dialogue and exchanges between characters surpasses even what quentin tarantino would attempt Indeed, the film needs multiple viewings just to process the complexity of the dialogue alone. Uh, The acting performances are Oscar-worthy in every category. You take the classic Shakespearean approach to the incredibly original and emotional story of Microwave Massacre. You obviously have a classic for the ages, sure to be treasured by generations to come. 
Um, and yeah, he says, is this a perfect movie? It's as close as we're going to get in my book. 10 out of 10, must see, must buy. Um, oh my God. Which I, I massively that. appreciate. Um, and then, yeah, probably slightly more less uh, <laughs> hyperbolic. He says, <laughs> I think my favorite part of the movie, other than Jackie Vernon's performance, was the scene where the homeless guy finds an arm in the trash can and proceeds to scratch himself with the arm of the hand. Um, the humor is pretty basement level, yet somehow it works. Um, he says, I do love this movie. It reminds me of The Stuff uh, as well, which is a cool Yeah, movie. definitely, definitely does. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for this, Sean. What I will say is that I will, uh, as, as a great captain goes down with a ship, I wouldn't ask someone to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. And I did watch Microwave Massacre again in the last week. Um, and I just absolutely loved it, man. It, like I'd forgot how much I enjoyed it, even though we kind of talk about it in just on the show. Um, and it, it's one of those movies, especially where it's like, would it be as funny and entertaining the second time around? Um, it definitely was. <laughs> like almost more so um there were so many aspects of it that i forgot how utterly ridiculous they are um it's gotta be our halloween watch going forward i think oh it's just like obviously so many people have these bad horror movies that they just love and Mm. to me this is my favorite i there isn't anything else that comes close in terms of just making me laugh from like the the opening scene alone is just utterly preposterous and (laughs) the movie just starts and it never gives up really like those opening scenes and like Jackie Vernon's performance is legit amazing. Like, I absolutely love it. How ridiculous Oscar it is. <laughs> like, there's these times where he just breaks character. There's times where he, like, looks at the camera and says this one-liner. And I'm just like, what were they doing? Like, it's so... You couldn't make a movie this funny if you were trying. And it's mm. one of those ones where I'm like, I, I wonder how much they were trying to just make it a comedy. Because if they were, they're absolute geniuses. Um, but yeah, no, I absolutely appreciate it so much. What are the features like on it. the Blu-ray? There's like a behind the scenes, like a very short one. Mm. Um, but yeah, there, there isn't too much on mm. it, to be honest. Um, I want that retrospective interview. Yeah, I know. Like, I want to see because <laughs> well, that was what was really disappointing was I know Jackie Vernon did pass away shortly after filming the movie. Um, so he right. wasn't in too much, but he was like a stand up comedian before all this. So mm. I definitely I've been meaning for ages to try and find some of that stuff because I really want to watch it. Um <laughs> But yeah, like I'm glad you you enjoyed it, Sean. Like, legit, like genuinely, it was so. When once I saw your email come in, I was like, I'm gonna have to rewatch this again now because it's been a little while. Um, and I'm glad I did, and I want to watch it again. It's so yeah, awesome. the movie's only like 70 minutes, isn't it? I'm gonna have to yeah. watch it again. It's so cheap, and it's just like the ending is just ridiculous when he just like dies off screen, and you're like, mm. what happened? Did they just like forget to put an ending on this movie, like. Yeah, you talk about those bad horror movies, like especially like obviously Troll Two is like the classic one, mm. um, which is no doubt entertaining. But for me, Microwave Massacre is my favorite. I just, I just love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for that one, Sean. He did also say uh, another small thing that um, I wanted to mention last week um, with the Invisible Man, and completely forgot about it. And I'm really glad that uh, you mentioned it. Uh, so Sean says. Uh, what do you guys think about the trend of trailers containing scenes that do not show up in the theatrical release of the movie? Mm-hmm. Um, there are sequences in the trailer of this film that don't appear in the movie. This is a bothersome trend, in my opinion, as it misrepresents the movie. Um, obviously, I briefly talked about the trailer on our discussion last week because I'd watched it after the movie and I yeah. talked about how crazy spoilery it was. Um, and I completely forgot to mention that, yeah, there are multiple scenes that just aren't in the film. <laughs> um i think most notably and again like you could i guess you could class as a spoiler because i'm gonna say a scene that's not in the movie but come on um i don't correct me if i'm wrong you know the scene when she's in the shower you don't actually mm-hmm. see a handprint go on the glass no. do you no. no 
So obviously that was used like massively throughout the promotion. Mm. Like I think it's even on the poster. As yeah, well. that was the only thing that I was aware of. Having yeah. avoided the trailer going in, I had somehow seen that. Yeah, so it's interesting stuff like that. But um, I think it's an interesting one because you say, Sean, it's a bothersome trend in your opinion. It misrepresents the movie. And I want to get your take on this as well, Mike. For me personally, mm-hmm. I quite like it. I like mm-hmm. that you see something that isn't necessarily going to be in the movie. Um, I agree with you that it can misrepresent the movie for sure. And I think that as a quick aside, um, in video game trailers in particular, this has been quite a big issue over the last few years where kind of like trailers come out for games and then the game comes out and it's nothing like the trailer and i think that's something else entirely where it's like i was the gonna game say yeah so much because that to me is misrepresenting a product you can there's there's the misrepresentation and there's mm. promoting your film without trying to spoil it and i yes. think or promoting your product without trying to spoil it and um i think I I kind of land on the side of I appreciate it more often than I don't. Mm. In the um, I want I want the trailers to get me hyped without spoiling it. So you know if you if you give me something that gets me hyped, I don't need to see that in the you know in in the finished product as such. As long as like it's you know it's true to what I've seen already. You know obviously like the whole you know using this handprint thing as an example we you know get to the point that we see these things happening and we see the invisible man in certain ways and kind of the ways that he chooses to manifest himself that work fantastically in the movie Mm. and i'm glad they weren't spoiled and i kind of you know i'm not against them showing something that just gives you that hype moment for a trailer i think kind of um as someone over the years like i love trailers and i love hype more than anything like for a movie but I hate being spoiled on something. Mm. And I've kind of had to make that decision in recent years to, to lose the hype of a trailer in order to save my, to preserve that kind of viewing of a film, you know, kind of the one that did it for me was, you know, not one for the show, but it was the most recent Terminator movie where I'm like, I've just got everything from this movie from the trailer because I'm so deep into it. Mm. And, um, you know, is that my fault as a viewer? I don't think so. I think it's the fault of the people that cut these trailers. And so kind of doing this, I think, is something that, that can help alleviate that, where you just kind of throw these things in. But then if Sean was watching the movie, really wanting that scene because he loved it so much in the trailer and was left disappointed that it wasn't in there, I think it, that's also a valid argument. Yeah, I, I think this is absolutely fascinating. Like, we talk about trailers a lot, and I think rightly mm. so, because they're such a huge part of the they're modern art day... Form. Yeah, like of my current like uh, enjoyment of all films is is trailers are a big part of that, and it's even if you don't watch them. Like I'm talking about stuff like A Quiet Place too. Like um, you know, I'm actively trying to not watch that trailer, and so that is in in a sense impacting my view on that movie. But um, mm. I agree with you that I think it's really interesting where there's so many different approaches to this. Like I wish there was an overall rule set that we kind of all abided to where. Something that I think is fascinating as an aside was what like uh, they did with Avengers Endgame, where they said straight up before the trailers came out, any trailers that we cu- that we have will only show the first hour of the movie. I think it was even yeah. less than that. Maybe it was like forty minutes. Um, yeah. But like something like that, where and, and well, even and that they, is quite aggressive. Fucked, but I would they fucked with it because they well, yeah, chopped out characters. And I was going to get to that as well. Yeah. <laughs> but like, like the, the the other part of it before we move on to that was. Um, yeah, so only showing like the first 40 minutes is extreme, but even mm. something where it's like 
don't show final third act reveals mm. you know like something like um don't breathe is a perfect example like yeah. there is a shot in that trailer that should oh not be God. in that trailer yeah. and so someone they messed up in my opinion that is a movie yeah. that we adore it was our movie of the year but they fucked up by putting that one scene in that trailer because i would have loved to have not known that bit in the movie um mm-hmm. and so i think just like a careness and a level of like you, what I love in the video game world is when someone like Kojima has his trailers, he's the one making the trailers. And I think there's a difference when you see yeah. like a Jordan Peele trailer. I was going to say Jordan Peele is that yeah. kind of example. He, he knows what he's putting in that trailer. So he's not going to show you the bloody end of the movie. Like he's not going to show you them all standing on the hill in the bloody trailer. Um, so I think something like that where the problem is so many hands get put on these movies. And so something like The Invisible Man, someone could have just cut this trailer and they could have literally shown you that like the final scenes and that would have been crazy. Um, so or you I do, don't even know what they cut that from. Like no. they probably cut that trailer. Well, they definitely cut that trailer from not the finished film product. And yeah. so the chances are, did they did they put this film out to screen ends and the Invisible Man was more prevalent in the original cut and they decided to take that away because it felt too um, disgenuine for what they were trying to achieve? Because obviously... You know, I haven't seen it, but like the the, uh, the imagery of that handprint would would feel odd in the movie mm. that they made. You know, yeah. they were much more subtle than that. Ultimately, yes. yeah, like at that part of the movie, he it wasn't like overt in what they were mm. showing for sure. Yeah. But um, yeah, and like I agree, with, like it's perfectly what you said. Where trailers come out when movies are still in post production, and like mm. literally, you see in certain trailers like different line deliveries end up in movies mm. you, you'll see a memorable line in a trailer that then has it's like it's it's words are slightly different when you hear it in the movie and you're like did i misremember that and it's like no because it was literally a different take of that scene was in the trailer um mm. and then yeah like the other thing that you mentioned with with avengers obviously like i love the idea of fucking with trailers like yeah we talked about it with obviously Candyman and how there was potential for that trailer where they might be hiding some things for from us um, yeah. And even us, didn't they? Obviously, they showed when the boy goes into the fire. Wasn't that like it was yeah, reversed? Yeah, they, they played right? it. They played it reversed. Yeah, yeah. For the for the he was walking out of the fire. Yes. in um in it. Like and a, I think yeah. I think Stuff like, like so it's cool. perfect, and and I think it just messes with you. And that's what I want, especially for these sorts of films that are this kind of weird thing to unpack. You know, I think us is the perfect example, and I think kind of. You know, Jordan Peele, and, and, and like Rob, when he put out The Three from Hell, like Rob made that trailer. Mm. So it's what the filmmaker, the visionary, wants you to see at that moment in time, which I think is so important, as opposed to, yeah, someone else that's just this, um, you know, this marketing tool that's trying to think, what can we show people that's going to get enough bum on, bums on seats? We don't mm. really care that once they've seen it, they feel like they're ripped off because we've already shown them the best bits. Yeah. We want to get them there for that reason. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's less craft in that. If you, you know, you can show these major set pieces in a trailer and, and that will sell a movie or you could be clever with your craft and show things in a subtle way that, that tantalizes the taste buds and get people there. Definitely. Like it's, it's a case by case skill. basis, like obviously, because yeah, like uh, bringing it back to what Sean said, obviously he's saying it misrepresents the movie. Mm. That's fair enough. If you think that mm-hmm. way, because like, I've definitely seen some things where you go, oh, okay, that wasn't what I was expecting. And, you know, and that is ultimately kind of a lie, I guess, to the viewer, because mm. like trailers are one of the main ways that you sell tickets. But then, yeah, coming at it from our aspect, it is hard to kind of keep these things secret. Um, because we've seen it time and time again, like stuff gets ruined in trailers and it's just, it's mm. so infuriating where 
um, to the point that years ago, and obviously you don't see this as, you still see it a little bit today, but like directors fighting for final cut of their own movie became a thing because like editors were messing with movies so much that the directors were getting so peeved with it. And nowadays you don't really see that as much, but I think we're at a tipping point now where directors obviously get pretty much final say and final cut these days most of the time but they mm. need to start getting final cut and final say on trailers more than yeah, anything because it's it's really infuriating if you put your heart and soul into a movie and we're talking about final trailers as well because for, typically first trailers come out and they're not as bad but like i remember uh, the 10 cloverfield lane final international trailer showed you the ending of the movie like the big what if of like that movie and i don't even want to spoil it at this point like the whole like what is going on in this world they answer that damn question and that was just Mm -hmm. someone's choice in an editing room be like this is a cool shot of this weird fucked up thing let's just put it in the trailer yeah and like that ruins the movie it literally ruins the movie um i think actually this this was a problem as a weird uh side when it got added to netflix i think that was the autoplay trailer on netflix Probably. and it showed you the end of the movie because i think that was a thing and they changed well, we've, it we've had instances a couple of times where directors have come out and like said stuff negative yeah. about the trailers haven't they I, I remember there was one last year i can't remember that who it was now but mm. they were like actively saying like oh yeah like yeah you know that's it's the thing just- yeah, it's just disappointing. Like, there are so many different mm. aspects to this, like we're talking about. Obviously, you were bringing up, Sean, the kind of, like, the scenes not in the movie, and then we're kind of talking about loads of other different aspects. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I, I think trailers are so fascinating for this reason, and we need to get to a point where they need to either, like you say, not show end game, you know, mm. not, not end game, but, like, the final act of the movie, mm. for sure, um, or do slight changes, like you say, with the clever stuff that we've seen in the, in the Us trailer and the Endgame trailer, or I don't mind personally a couple of scenes that they know aren't going to be in the movie. As long as they have that same tone and feel. Like, I feel yeah. like with something like Invisible Man, if they'd have shown me something that was so egregious in the trailer, and obviously for me it's a weird one because I didn't watch the trailer before I saw the movie. So I don't mm. have any feelings either way regarding this own this 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 actual movie. Um, but as long as it felt like tonally the same as the movie, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. But if it had, if it had misrepresented the movie in a way where it was like, okay, this movie's not about what I think it's about, that would have been an issue. I think um, the, um, I know we're going wrong on this, but I think it's mm-hmm. an interesting conversation, like the Candyman trailer. Yeah. Um, you know, that bathroom scene. I'm yeah. I, Like, if that's not in the movie, that doesn't really offend me. Um, no, Because I, I kind of feel like they've almost shown the best bits of that scene. And so, like, I think that yeah, scene... Yeah, that's I'm not looking forward to that scene. No, seen, I think cool that scene <laughs> could be awesome, but I want it to be the opening scene in the movie because yes. I've already seen most parts of it. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, ultimately, if that's not in the movie, I'm okay with it. If that tonally fits with the rest of Candyman, it got me hyped for a trailer. And ultimately, I don't need to see it again. Like, yeah. so, you know, I, I think there is, there is, you know, use for that. Yeah, I completely agree. That's a really good point of like that scene, they show it in such a way and it's so long and it's in chronological order. They're like, yeah, I I know what happens in that scene. Mm. You know, like they granted we didn't see like probably the level of violence that's gonna be in the in the actual yeah. movie, but like we know that like girls go into the room, they say Candyman, they think nothing's happened, the girl bursts in as like a fake jump scare, then when she's hiding in the toilet, Candyman arrives. You know, mm. so you know what happens in that scene. Whereas, yeah, it's more the scenes where like Yaya's talking and kind of like looking in mirrors, where like if those scenes aren't in the movie, the scenes yeah. that are there to give you a taste of the movie and be like, I want to see what what happens in those scenes, then I would have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Because then I'd be like, why the hell did you show me all this? Then it's clearly not in the movie. Um but yeah, no, thank you very much for that one, Sean, because I thought that was really interesting. Like, trailers will always be fascinating to us for many different mm. reasons. It's sadly negative, because like what you said, 
they are the biggest hype thing for us. We've mm. talked about two this year alone in Spiral and Candyman, which were like so exciting to us because they Don't were trailers. PG. Exactly, and PG, of course. Everyone go check it out. Fright Fest 2020. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but then it's sad because like I would love, like we haven't had a conversation about a Quiet Place 2 trailer on the show. No. And it's a shame because like I just don't trust them enough to not spoil it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, haven't haven't absorbed that trailer fully multiple times. Like I'm worried about a couple of scenes in it that feel mm. like they are, you know, quite important. Um, yeah. But I had to do it, man. I had yeah, to do it. Definitely. <laughs> I had no choice. I had well, no luckily, choice. we haven't got to wait too long. Um, oh, because, my God. Yeah, the future of this show for the next couple of weeks, we have Exciting. The Hunt this week back in the cinema, yeah. which I'm very excited for. Very, very Yeah, excited. I was going to say my hype levels are pretty high. Just looks like a fun time. Like I have, I've been entertained by everything I've seen from the movie, mm-hmm. and that's the one thing where we just uh, at this point in the cinema, I'm like my expectations are so low for these movies, where I'm just like, just entertain me. Like, just don't bore me to death with movies like The Grudge that are just like, ugh, they just they just go on and on and on. Whereas like this looks entertaining, even though, even if it might be a bit silly, but yeah, it looks yeah. cool. And then and Emma Roberts. I mean, you know, yeah, exactly. Oh, it's got a great cast. This one. Um, yeah. and then yeah week after the big boy which i cannot wait for it's still one of those weird ones where it's like it doesn't feel like it was this it close. doesn't feel real it doesn't feel no. real that we're like two weeks away from last of us and th- mm. uh, last of us uh um quiet place part two and 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 like three weeks away from resident evil three yeah like, i was gonna say all these things are so close last of us part two is oh, not even that far away as well <laughs> yeah i know i've got to pay for that pre-order soon but yeah i i cannot wait like We'll, we'll talk about it next week because we'll be a week away from it. But I think I'm going to have to. I haven't watched A Quiet Place in a pretty good minute now, like maybe mm. over a year. So I'm going to have to sit down and watch it and just be. They're in in the way. states. They're doing a double bill thing. We, I don't know right. whether we get one over here. I like think that. We, awesome. I think we do. Yeah, I'm tempted, man. I'm tempted. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, very exciting stuff. But that was episode 187, where we talked about the dare. Uh, thanks for listening, as always. And we'll see you again very soon. See you later, everyone. And through my veins and travels to my head, they said, you'll die soon enough anyway. Shut up, I can't. Mainly because I never could. How could I start now? Honey, I'm down. Not that I need ya. Look at me now.